What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dad the Man podcast. My name is Brendan Wall, and I am your host, and I want to thank you. Thank you, thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you for being here. There are millions of other podcasts out there, millions of other things that you could, maybe should be doing, but you have chosen to tune in, to listen to the show, and my goal is to give you the best return on that time as I possibly can. I want you to walk away from this conversation today with at least one thing that you can take with you and use in your life today to be a better man, a better husband, or a better father today. And with what we have in store I do think that will be the case. So today we have one of our full-length interviews, conversations, whatever you want to call it. I'm really excited to put this one out. This one is jam-packed. Lots of little nuggets in there, so I know that you will have that takeaway that I was talking about. So today's conversation is with the Steve Eckert. Steve is a husband, he's a dad, he's a Marine, he's an entrepreneur, he's a performance coach, among many other things. You guys may remember my conversation recently with his business partner, Ray Cash Care. Steve has a very similar style, very in-your-face. He's not going to hold anything back. And you probably recognize Steve from the clips of him coaching his clients. Uh, there's clips of him all over social media, getting in guys' faces, letting them know what's up. He, like I said, he's not going to hold it back. He's a no-nonsense, in-your-face style. And he, he, like I said, he's just not afraid to to let you know what's on his mind. He's not afraid to lean into his experience with the Marines and training his clients either. And I'll go ahead and say it now. This episode, it does have some heavy language in it. So this is not the episode to listen to with your kids in the car. Just want to make sure that I mention that before we roll the tape. But Steve is, he's a fantastic guy. And I really enjoyed getting to speak with him. He's an example of a guy who lived through a problematic childhood. He did not have the example of what a great father is. He really, what he had was an example of what a terrible father is. And now he's hellbent on changing the trajectory of his family lineage and being that great man, great husband, great father for his family. And one thing I really appreciate about Steve is how intentional he is with his time. In our conversation, we talk about it. We go deep into the details and how he plans and schedules all of his time, schedules his days to make sure that he has the right symmetry, as he calls it, in his life. I also want to note that in this conversation, Steve mentions an upcoming challenge that he's doing with his family. It's a 24-hour challenge, and the purpose is to raise money for the Save Our Allies Foundation, which is headed up by previous guest of the show, Tim Kennedy. So like I said, it's a 24-hour fitness challenge that's coming up March 25th. So if you're listening to this the day that the episode comes out, this is happening very soon. And I've posted a link in the show notes for anyone who wants to join wants to contribute, wants to get involved in any way, shape, or form to raising funds for the Save Our Allies Foundation. Check it out if that is something you want to get involved with. So this conversation, it is direct, it is honest, it is wide open, and it is loaded with takeaways that you can use today to be a better man, better husband, better father. Huge shout out to Steve for making the time to join us today. He's a busy dude. Like I said, he's so intentional with his time, and I was honored to get to host him here on the show. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with the Steve Eckert. All right, guys, we have another awesome conversation to share here on the show with us today, the one and only Steve Eckert. Steve, welcome to the Dad the Man podcast. 
What's up, brother? Been been listening. Your your podcast has been the thing in our house for the last week or two. Ever since we scheduled this, all I've been doing is listening, binge listening to all the episodes. I couldn't catch. I usually try to listen to all of someone's episodes before I come on. But you have so much awesome stuff there. We got at least like thirty or forty of them in, but I'm still I just got to catch up to rest. I have like a hundred and something episodes, but awesome stuff. I love what you're doing. I really appreciate you saying that. There's a lot of love that goes into it, and I've been I've been super fortunate to have a, a lot of guys, you know, volunteer their time and their intention and their their learnings and lessons in life to uh, to share on the show. So I've been super fortunate with that, and super excited to get to learn from you today as well. So as we jump in today, I want to frame who you are, where you come from. My favorite place to start is to go back to childhood. And if you can maybe just kind of reflect on that, give us a debrief on where you came from, what your upbringing was like, siblings, who you were as a kid. You can share anything that you want to share in the, in that world. Yeah, so I live in California now. Originally grew up in New York. We just moved to California now coming up on like four years ago, but I'm the youngest of six kids. And as I, when I was a kid, I would... I, all the discipline I have nowadays, any whatever success or discipline or money that I have, the energy I have, the the way that I'm a I show up as a father, as a husband, as a a coach, I give all that credit to my father from my childhood. And you might think, oh, that sounds so great, that sounds so inspiring, but it's because when I was a kid, I looked at my father and I said, I want to be nothing like that dude. I'm gonna I'm gonna literally dedicate my life to doing the exact opposite of everything that I see him doing because what he's doing is not working. This isn't a happy household. It's not a happy childhood. It's not a good childhood. I literally never had a single conversation and I never moved out of the house until I was 19 when I went to the Marine Corps. I never had a single actual conversation with my father in 19 years of living in the same house, never threw a football, never sat on the floor and played Legos, never learned how to change a tire or anything, talk to girls, we're talking nothing. It was just a alcoholic, physically, emotionally, mentally a, a abusive childhood, pretty much overall. As a ghost, living as a ghost. When I was a kid, I would actually go on the playgrounds and I'd put, wear this Zorro mask, and I thought that that would make me hidden, that no one would know who I was. So I could just be that ghost because that's how I was as a child, as a kid, as a ghost. And I guess that's why maybe now the way I am, the way I am, is finally breaking out of that shell. It took decades to break out of that shell. But now it's like, now it's time to be fucking bold and stand out and live life on your own terms. And that's why I say being your freak self. And that's the same thing we we teach to the kids is, is do what's going to make you happy. Live life on your own terms, not conforming to what the world is telling you to do, or even conforming to what you might have learned from bad influences or negative influences. And I think that's a huge lack in the in the country, the world, but especially the country is lack of positive male role models. I don't think uh I don't think it's possible for a woman even though my my parents were actually married until my father died just last year. My mother was technically a, a single parent and I don't think a woman alone and so much power and respect to women but I don't think a woman alone can raise a man the way they need to, to I know they do their best but no way a woman can make a man a man if that makes sense. Where did you fall? I want to come back to that, but where did you fall in the the ranking order? One to six kids. Youngest, youngest. So by the time it got to me, we were broke, poor, no new clothes, no toys, nothing on Christmas, no birthday parties, nothing by the time it got to me. Hand me down everything. Yeah, exactly. The baggy clothes that you see all the, the rappers and gangsters wearing. I started that fucking trend a long time ago just because I had no other clothes to wear. <laughs> Someone had to get it started. Yeah. Uh, um, what was your relationship like with all your siblings? 
it was never never was like we still in contact with all of them to this day. Never was any uh, bad. Like I hear a lot of people that oh, I don't talk to this person, I don't talk to that person, and never got to that level. I think sometimes through a shitty childhood or through a hardship, it maybe keeps you in connection. We we could always be closer. And now that I'm thinking about it, like one of it's one of my sister's birthdays today. I've already reached out to her today, but I probably don't reach out enough. So even as I'm sitting here on a podcast, I take notes myself and think, all right, I probably need to be doing that a little more, but it's not like there's any bad blood or anything like that. We, we still are all in contact. We see each other on, on when, when it's possible. We live all different areas of the country, but overall was not, not too, too bad. My brother is the oldest. It was my, my brother, four girls, and then me. So if anything, and he, he was just a kid himself, but if anything, my brother was the one who was that one teaching me any kind of manly type stuff, how to how to fight, how to whatever, talk to girls and things like that. So my brother would have been the one that at least showed me a little bit of the way, at least what he knew in his own fucked up ways. I was going to ask you if, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, being your freak self, you're a very, you come across as a very confident human being, somebody who can project yourself. Well, you don't seem like the kid, the guy who was the kid wearing the Zorro mask. I was going to ask what that process was like for you was it a was it a mentor that's your, your brother made me think of that was it somebody that pulled you out how did that go for you i'd say my brother helped me survive those years it never i never came out of that shell in those years just helped me survive helped me not go into the deepest darkest holes um because i've done bad shit in my life whatever been to jail done all kinds of criminal type stuff but i'd probably say not until shit 11 11 years ago when my son was born then it started to re- even then even after the marine corps in the marine corps you do what you have to do you're surviving you don't even appreciate the military or what you're learning when you're in the marine corps until afterwards but once my son was born and then I'm working running a successful business and realizing that I'm not even I'm just as absent as my father was and realizing all right it's time to step the fuck up it's time to now be a little more bold to stand out a little bit and start becoming all these little lessons I learned from whether it's from my brother, from the Marine Corps, from some successful clients that I might have had because in person I was started as a personal trainer. So I had a lot of high-end clients and they were giving me an education. Like that was part of my college education was training these high-end clients who were giving me so much wisdom. I'm getting so much out of it. That's why everything I do, I'm trying to learn. That's why literally I'm sitting here with a notebook and a pen when I'm on your podcast to see what I can learn here. What can I come out of this with? What do I need to think differently about? So the real turning point, I say, was when I first had a kid realizing, all right, just because you're successful, I'm working all day, 5 a.m. till 10 p.m., seven days a week, but then I'm not seeing my fucking son. I'm basically just the same as my father, whether I'm not a drunk and gambling and abusive or anything like that, but being neglect is a neglect. If you're not there, you're not there. All it, all it means is when your kid grows up, they say, my dad wasn't there. It doesn't matter really, even really why it's going to be the same effect and the same outcome. So I'd say the real turning point is when the son is born, like, all right, now it's time I call it breaking the cycle. Like it's time to break the freaking cycle. And I actually do a show with my kids. We, we try to get it once a month, a live show we do with the two kids. And it's called breaking the cycle. And we have these types of conversations. They know everything about my history, everything about my past. They We, we have these real meaningful conversations since they were as far back as I can remember. I was talking with my wife not too long ago. We were talking about similar concept, how much we have grown as as individuals, how much we have grown as a couple and together and just as human beings since our oldest son, who's now six, was born. And it's, you know, obviously we've we've raised him, but in a lot of ways he's really, like raising him has raised us. It's been the strongest, most transparent, most in-your-face, like not going to hide a thing mirror to expose the weaknesses that we had, the the selfish nature that we had, 
so I think some laziness, some different things like that. And none of it was poorly intentioned ever at all. Like, you, you know, but just having a child really, it just turns, it just turns the lamp on you and says, okay, there's no shadows here. There's nothing you can hide because they see every little thing to the point where like my son will bring up something that like happened in our house six months ago. And I'll be like, you remember that? Oh shit. Something you didn't even notice you did. Something that just happened in passing. Some little look you gave or glance you gave in a certain situation that he read and soaked it in without even knowing it. It's freaking crazy. And and it's such an awesome point that you're making. Like people ask all the time, who is your mentor? Who is your role model? And that's why, and the only one I ever think of is my kids, really my son when he's born. He is my coach because I'm the shit without that, without them, my kids as a coach, I'm, I'd be, who knows where, be all kinds of fucked up. Yeah. So I think this is like what we're getting into here is this idea of like personal development. And I think this, the space is in a lot of ways difficult for a lot of dads, I think, to digest and to comprehend because to the point you made before, there's a lot of, I think in the personal development space, there's a lot about being the guy who works, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week and is never home. And it's like, how do I, how do I take the principles of that and apply that to being a great man, a great husband, a great father, a great leader of my family, somebody who can lead myself, lead my family and my community. So I'd love to kind of turn that around to you. Just like, what do you think are like the core components of like personal development that, you know, if a guy is is lost and he's like, maybe he's listening today, maybe he's in his head, just like, I, I can do better. I, I'm going to do better. Like, where do you steer that guy to get started? Is yet you need to have goals. Of course you need to have goals and set goals, but in, in, Reality in general, it's forget about your goals. Fuck your goals. Forget about what happened before in your little childhood and big deal. Mommy and daddy didn't freaking give me any attention. It's like time to put on the put on the big boy pants. Forget the the past. Forget the future even. And that's because we think only in the past. We live in the past. We live in the future. We think about these goals. We want to have all this stuff. I'm going to do all this for my kids. We say, you ask someone, why are you working so hard? Why are you working all day? Oh, I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing it for my kids. All right, so you're neglecting the thing that you say you're doing it for. It doesn't make any sense. And that's where I started seeing myself. That's why I went with that, that was when my son was born, realizing I'm turning into my father. In one way or the other, I'm turning into him. It's an addiction in one way or the other, addicted to work, whatever it is. And you say you're doing it for your family. But if you're doing it for your family, that doesn't make sense. You're doing it for yourself. Usually you're doing it for your own ego because they think they want to make money because they see Grant Cardone and his private jet and all this other stuff. And they think that's what they need. And- I think it, it comes down to reevaluating what is the lifestyle you want to live? Like I call it my freak freedom lifestyle. And I break that down and I, and I check in with that every freaking day. What is my ideal lifestyle, my freak freedom lifestyle that I want to live, whereas I'm living life on my own terms. I'm marching to the beat of my own drum and then reverse engineer it from there. Now, if I know what my lifestyle is and then I say, all right, I also want this yacht or this private jet. And I have a saying, fuck your private jet. Like if I want this private jet, the, the tactics and strategies that I, and the time that it would take to get that private jet would not be in alignment with what I want my ideal lifestyle to be, then I don't need that private jet. I need to reevaluate that and not get caught up in all these shiny objects that, that men think they need because they see other people out there doing it. And I guarantee the majority of the time, those people out there that they see on the social medias and all this other stuff. And you think your life sucks or it's average or it's ordinary and this and that. If you trade spaces with those people for a day or two, you'd be like, fuck that. Give me my life back. I don't want that. I got to travel all this time. I only get to see my kids two, three days a week. Like, 
if that's a lifestyle you want, then go right ahead. But then don't say you're doing it for your kids. You're doing it for yourself. You're doing it for your ego. You're doing it for a bank account. And I'm a believer that the real purpose, the real meaning life, like if you have, if you have a family, you have a wife, you have kids, you're only, you should have no other purpose than to be the, the leader, the provider, the protector of that family and those kids to show them the way to kind of replace yourself, let them fill into your roles, let them be able to operate without you, to think for themselves, teach them how to think. That needs to be your number one purpose, not some certain amount of money you want to make or certain amount of locations of your business you want to open up. How could that be your purpose when you have kids? Then you're basically saying that is the higher priority than your kids. You're willing to sacrifice and neglect your family for this purpose of a business. And you say, well, I want to help millions of people. Well, start with your the fucking few people in, in your own house is a place to start with those millions of people. Then you worry about the rest. Once that's taken care of and secure, if you have any extra time, which you shouldn't have that much extra time, then you go deal with that other stuff. Now, I'm not saying don't try to make a shitload of money. I like money and money helps you create experiences and give your family, a, I think, a better life, obviously. But people get it twisted about what they think the real goal is. Like, forget that goal. The goal is right now, this freaking moment, this time you're spending with your kids. That That is the goal. That man, I'm, I could give you a standing ovation on, on that one right now. And I want to take this and I want to come at it from the other angle too, because I think some people eh, probably come at it from the angle of, okay, yes, my family is the most important thing. So I'm going to just give them all of my time. And then they get to the point where they don't really have any professional ambition and th beginning to provide for the families that starts to become a problem. They get lazy and missing workouts because they think that's you know, they feel guilty and stepping away from the family. Then they kind of feel like dad guilt the other way to where they're, they just can't step away to do anything to make themselves better, to be a better person for their family. Can you kind of help, help us like tie that together, how we can maybe have the best of both worlds. Cause I'm looking at you as like a model of this, somebody who runs successful businesses. You obviously have everything, everything dialed in with, for yourself and for your family. What does it look like for you bringing it all together? How are you, how do you have your cake and eat it too? Yeah, and you love that you were used the word guilty, and that's exactly the word is that if you craft, and again, it goes back to that ideal lifestyle. All right, what is the lifestyle I want to live? When my kids went to school, they we do homeschooling. We, we call it home lifing, where we actually do all the education for them ourselves. I do it with my, me and my wife. That's it. No one else comes in to help out with it. There's no curriculum. We teach them what we want to teach them. But before that, when they were in school, I wanted to be able to drive them to school at least two days a week. I wanted to be home when they get home from school every single day, Monday through Friday, unless I was traveling for uh, an event that's only a couple of times a year, but I was, I'm home. I, that was the lifestyle I wanted to live. I wanted to have a, a one weekend per month where we, we get away as a family. Then I wanted to have one to two weeks every quarter where we take off and get away. This is the lifestyle that I wanted to live. Now, with all that happening, how can I make that happen? Hell yeah, you need to make some money to make that happen. So it comes down to and I don't want to, I hate the term work-life balance. To me, balance is boring, balance is average, balance is mediocre. But most men have that work-life imbalance. You said the exact thing. They go too far in one direction, either so much on the business, they neglect the family, or so much on the family. I want to be this super dad that then they're like, well, I'm, I'm living paycheck to paycheck and no one wants to live. And then that stress and that bad energy comes into the family and into the home and all this other stuff. And you want money. Money is good. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with making a shit ton of money. It comes down to crafting that lifestyle. And I have, if I could show, I'll show you my calendar, you'd see it. It's from the minute I wake up at, at the, the latest 5 a.m. Some days it's 4 a.m. All the way till I go to sleep at 9.30 p.m. Everything is accounted for. And it's all color-coded. There's different time blocks. And it's everything in there from my from 
my own personal development, my own taking care of myself, my own needs, family, wife, kids, training, obviously, eating, business stuff, meetings, podcasts, things like that. So if I know everything has its place right now, I'm on here with you. And I told you I have as much time as we need because I don't have to be limited to a certain amount of time. If there was a, a hard stop, like if I had an, an event I had to be or a flight to catch, then that's to me, that's a hard stop. Today, I have a book club with my kids for our home life that we do. We have a book club. And I have a meeting with my wife because we run our business together. It's a, it's a business meeting that we have once a week, every Tuesday. I have those and they know I'm on a podcast. I communicate ahead of time. We're going to get those done when I'm done with the podcast. Normally, it would be at this time. We just rearrange the schedule. So I know that happens. Then we have a family workout later on. My, my son plans our workout and coaches our family. He's 11 years old every Tuesday. It's Tyson Tuesday. He trains us. He puts prepares the workout and trains us. That's coming up later. And I know all that stuff is accounted for. There's literally a place on the count. I have time for reading later tonight. I have time to work on my own personal development. We have we eat dinner together as a family seven days a week, every single day. We have that. It's on the calendar. We know this is all happening every single day. So when I'm here with you, I don't have to be thinking in my head, oh shit, I need to go make money or I'm not being a good dad. I need to spend more time with my kids. I could be 100% laser beam focused on serving you and serving your audience and hoping they can get some nugget out of this because I know that other stuff is accounted for. Everything's accounted for across the schedule. So it could be guilt-free. I don't know what's going on right now. The, the house, another part of the house could be on fire right now. I would have no idea because everything is accounted for. It let, lets you be laser beam focused on one task at a time instead of being scattered. Otherwise, men are half-assing everything or going too far ends of the spectrum. That's why I don't call it work-life balance. I call it work-life symmetry or work-life fulfillment, work-life domination, or how about this, work-life happiness. Motherfuckers aren't happy in their work or in their life, in their home life, personal life, or professional life. How about creating a life where it's happy on there? How about creating a life where you don't need a vacation from? Like, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. And you, what you're really hitting on there, what you were getting into for a second is, is the, the idea of presence. And I think that's something that we all struggle with. And if I can to do something out of what you're saying, it sounds like the, the key or the unlock to you for being present in every moment of your day is being a good steward of all of the time that you have. So you don't have, like, you're not unintentionally drifting and wasting time which I think in, in a lot of us subconsciously creates this anxiety like, oh my gosh, time's going by. I'm not making progress. I'm not doing anything. I think we have all felt that. I've certainly have felt that at different times. But the way that you're able to steward all of your time and be intentional with all of it, I think it allows you to really, I guess, get into the moment and really be where your feet are. Be where your feet are. Yeah, I love that. Be where your feet are. Exactly. And use the term drifting too. If you've read Napoleon Hill in... Outwitting the Devil. I don't know if you've ever read that book, Outwitting the Devil. Have you read that? that. No. I oh man, you got a Napoleon Hill, Outwitting the Devil. That's his his best book, more than other ones that are even more popular. And good books like that, like that one's even better to listen to. Most books I like reading better, but that one is it's he's actually interviewing the devil and outwitting the devil, and it's it's so far ahead of its time. You, you have to if you haven't read that, or the, the listeners need to read that and listen to it both, but even listen to it first. But he calls it Drifters, and that's. The, the drifters are the ones that are drifting away into the distractions of all the things around them and never in the freaking moment. And they're you're constantly, if you're always searching for something. What's next? What do I need to do next? And you're searching, searching, searching. You're never going to find it because you're searching for what's right now, right in fucking front of you. And if you're always searching for it, you're never going to find it because it's already there. It's right there. Like this moment, this podcast, that's what I, I no need to search for anything. It's right here. This, this is the moment 
right there. So yeah, as, as to what you were saying, it comes down to discipline. I say all the time, discipline defeats distraction, DDD, discipline defeats distraction. And it come and, and that that scheduling, that time blocking. And if you saw this, the calendar, you'd be like, wow, that's that's amazing. That's so almost robotic. But and it's never perfect. My calendar, you look at it, it looks great, it looks perfect, it's all color coded. There's never a day where it's 100 percent There's if I can get 80% of that, which way it is, because shit happens. You have to move things around, you have to uh, adapt and overcome to the day. But I still know all my non-negotiables, all my I call them daily disciplines are accounted for. So I never have to feel guilty for going all in and not and, and laser being focused on one thing at a time. And it's just, it's, it's all about that work life turning from like the chaos to order in, in the work life balance. That, that imagery of looking out for the thing, like looking out for purpose, looking out for mission. Like I, I'm just in my head, imagining a guy standing there looking way off into the distance and while his kids are standing right in front of him, but they're, you know, maybe they're coming up to his waist, but he's looking way out in the distance, but everything yeah, he's looking yeah. for is literally in his own literally mind. right in front of him. And, and even in a business sense, people that, what should I do next? And this and that, like, and they sit there and I have an, another one, do anything, do something like you don't know what to do next. Go send a, there's always something you could do. Your business is slow. Go send a text message to a, a, Pre, a current client and ask for referral. Go get a, a testimonial from a client. Go make a call to a, a a business that you want to do business with. Go ask to be on someone's podcast. Anything. There's always something you could do. Go call a previous client and check in on them. See how they're doing. Call a prospect. Go text a prospect. Go, go do a social media post. Go do a, record a video. Go do a YouTube video. There's always something you could do. And, and people are always thinking, what should I do next? What should I do next? On the personal side and professional side, it's always right in front of you. There's there's never there's always an abundance of shit you could be doing at any moment, but we waste so much time on, like you said, the, the drifting and the distractions. Yeah, I, this principle is is actually helped me with this podcast recently. I've kind of had that thought, like, what do I do next? What's the next big thing? Like, how do I grow the show and get more listeners? And, and you know that those thoughts creep into my head. But then I, I dial that back, and I'm like, why don't I just go pour into all the people that are already listening, like the people that I know, like follow me on Instagram, the people who I know are downloading the episodes. Why don't I go check in with all those people and really try to serve them? Like, mm-hmm. I don't need to go serve a million people. I've got people in front of me that I can help that are listening right now that I have their attention. I can try to help them now. And to just, just bringing it back into like, it's all right here. It's not this grand gesture. It's, it's just a daily discipline, like you said. Like it's something. It, everything that we're looking for is probably a lot closer to us than we think. And, and you mentioned next big thing, and that's actually one of my time blocks that I have. It's called NBT, next big thing, and it's an actual time block. But it's usually only once a week or every two weeks, depending on what where you're at in life or who who we were talking to. But you should be thinking about what's the next big thing. But you can't be thinking about that all the time in the present moment. So I actually have a, a two hour time block that I, it's on the schedule. It's usually Friday late afternoons, early evening when the week is dead. And it's right, this two hours, I'm going to focus on what is the next big thing. Say I wanted to start my own podcast, but I have my main stuff that I'm working on that I can't put time into it. All right. So every two hours on Friday, I'm going to work on building up this new podcast, getting the whatever, the software, signing up what I need to sign up with, getting the microphones, whatever the hell you need to do to set up for that. Or say you want to get into real estate investing and just two hours a week, you'd got into real estate investing. Think about it. Any Anything you wanted to get into after three months, six months, imagine a year of two hours a week of uninterrupted laser beam focus. You could start a, a million dollar side hustle as your next big thing with, with still making your main thing the main thing. And then maybe that next big thing 
is a passion of yours, does have a little higher, higher calling, higher purpose, you turn that into your main thing and you end up either eliminating your, your previous main thing or delegating it or automating it or making a, a side hustle of your main thing. And now you're having even more purpose on the next big thing. And then once you that becomes your new main thing, guess what? Now you start working on the new next big thing because we should always be getting better and looking for new things, but you can't be doing it all the time, be stuck in that all the time. And that's actually how, how I've started my private coaching business, how we started the project. We started the Squire program. Every one of those things was on a next big thing time. It's We still had the main thing. When we started the project, the, the five of us that that started it together, the, we met one, for dinner like once every other every other week for just two, three hours. And we little piece by piece built it up. After a few months, we had this thing. And now we're four years later with it, with it just rolling. So, and that started as a next big thing time. So you do need to still think about that stuff, but it has its time and its place. So then you don't have to feel guilty about thinking about the future because you know, you did all the other stuff that you had to get, you did your due diligence in all the other areas of life. So there is no, no guilt, but you're always still thinking about moving forward, getting better. What is the next big thing? Okay. I want to put some, I want to put some tangibility to this for anybody who's hearing this and thinking like, you know, maybe they're thinking about a career change. They want to learn a new skill. They want to, like you said, maybe start a new podcast, whatever it may be. Alex Hormozzi shared something recently, and he's a, I love the way his brain works. He's a very principled, like he he thinks in patterns that can be applied in a lot of different facets. And he shared something the other day, a study that said to become proficient in any skill, it's been proven that 80% of proficiency is gained in the first 20 hours of work towards that, whatever whatever the skill or discipline is. But most people never take the first step because they think it's going to take so much longer. But to your point, if you can take an hour every Friday or two hours, you know, on the weekend or whatever it is, if you say you took two hours a week over 10 weeks, you could have you could be 80 percent proficient in a brand new skill that you could then use to go start a new career, a new job, new project. It could be the next big thing for you. So I just like as you're speaking, I'm like, oh, that's kind of an unlock for me because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm do, like I said, with the podcast, part of my brain is thinking what's next. There's probably a skill that I could I could start baking in one to two hours a week. So really, I'm talking to myself here. No, I'm that's learning, awesome. I'm that's that's huge intangible. Time. Yeah, it's huge intangible for the for the listeners. And it might even be a a hobby or something that's not even business related. It could be learning jujitsu, learning a different language, learning an instrument, but you don't have time because you have a business, but you want to learn this new instrument. You want to learn to speak Italian, whatever it is. Imagine you just studied two hours a week, but uninterrupted. We're talking laser beam in freak flow state studying it. You, you'll probably be speaking fluent in, in a few months, six months of that that type of focus on anything, anything you want to do. So people say they don't have time. It's all bullshit. Uh, a millionaire and a, and a homeless crackhead have the same amount of hours in a day. Yep. And if anybody who does, if you say you don't have time, I would challenge you pull up your screen time report on your phone right now. And see how much time is going to Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, whatever, Facebook, whatever. And there, there's the hours you're looking for right there. Um, it's all there. Or you can uh, just pull, yeah. open your calendar. That's how we, we I start a lot of the <laughs> workshops I do with with companies. I'll go, I'll travel out and train entire teams at companies. And the first thing we'll do is, all right, I want you all to open up your calendar, and they'll open it up. What percentage of your calendar is business? What percent is personal, like for you yourself getting better? What, what a percentage of your family? And like 95% of it across the board is just business. And then 80% of that is wasted time and time in between and bullshitting and not even effective. And then they say they don't spend enough time with their kids and they don't have time to work out. You don't find the time. No one's finding time. No one could find time on the schedule. You make the motherfucking time and, and it can happen. And, and think about that, how screwed that up that is that you'll have 
your calendar, you'll have stuff on there for your clients and sales calls. And you'll even do a disciplinary meeting with your, your team members, your employees, even the lowest team member that's that's screwing up, that's losing you money. You'll plan and prepare. You'll go over in your head for weeks about how you're going to talk to that person, how you're going to discipline them, how you're going to coach them, how you're going to level them up to get them below the shit level just to become average again. And you have more time dedicating your calendar to that than you do your freaking kids. Think of how fucked up that is. And and anyone listening out there that that's you, it should sting a little bit because I, I, I want to tell you the things that you need to hear, not just the shit that you want to hear. Drop the mic, brother. Damn. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's strong right there. And uh, honestly, hand raised personally, a little convicted on, on that myself. So man, if, if, if you're hearing that, like if you're listening and you're hearing that and you're like, oh man, that's me. Just, I think, I think when we, when we hear these things, when we hear strong coaching, we hear good advice. Like you feel that you feel that to your soul. I think we have to take, just take a moment and just do something like actually make a step towards making a change. I think a lot of times we'll, we'll get hit with something like that in the moment and we might feel like, Ooh, if I face that, then I got to admit that I'm wrong and then I got to face a failure. And rather than turning into that and making the change and being a better dad, sometimes it's easier to just go back to work and pretend like it didn't happen. So I will give you the grace. If you're listening, give yourself a little bit of grace, turn into it and just make the damn change. Just, oh, yeah. just, just do it. And don't validate it. Don't make excuses for it. Oh, I have to go and do this because I'm providing for my family. Someone else will do something like men. We're, we're, we're overall, especially nowadays, are just weak freaking creatures. Like we're not meant to be, but we've turned that way in general. Like we will find reasons why things are okay. We will validate our own bullshit, but then someone else does it. Oh, what a loser. That's a millennial. They're fucking lazy, whatever else. But when it's ourselves, there's a reason and excuse. And we, we get a, a try to get approval from ourselves and and do like a, a Johnny Cochran court case against ourselves to, to prove to ourselves that it's okay for us to do it. But when someone else does it, oh, they are a horrible human being. For them, it's a character flaw. When it happens to us, it's just situational. And I'm really doing my best because this is what I have to do. I have to provide for my family. So it's okay that I, I pull up in my email at 9 p.m. when I'm supposed to be tucking my beds into school because I'm doing it for them. No, motherfucker. If you're doing it for them, you close your freaking laptop and you go tuck your kids in to bed because that's what you claim you're doing all this hard work for anyway. And on, on top of that, unless it's like a, 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 an anomaly, if you need to go open your laptop right before you go to sleep or you need to go respond to an email right before you go to sleep or you need to work even after work hours. If you worked 8, 10, 12 hours a day, I'm talking like work, and then you get home and you're finally with the people that you say you did all that 8, 10, 12 hours of work for, and then you still need to flip over your laptop, you must fucking suck at what you do, that you couldn't get the job done in that amount of hours. Like, you, you're doing it for your family and your kids, you claim. So, like, start proving it. Earn that right every day. Like, prove that shit every day. Yes, there is a line that has to be drawn in the sand where you can't let what you do for your family come at the expense of your family. Like, we have to draw that line in the sand but why like why do we do that why do we i i, I in my head i phrase it as like what's our default like uh, oftentimes we just default to yes i think a lot of it with work is a lot of times it's uh it's it is tangible and for us it's it's easy to quantify and say i made one more sale i got one more project done i i hit the deadline i got the bonus i got the promotion and with with a family sometimes it's less structured in the sense where you may not get that that dopamine hit from we had a great bedtime or like I got my kids in and out of the bathtub or we had a good conversation at dinner. Well, those things are more important and we would always 
logically say that's much more important. It's like our monkey brain seems to default back to what can I quantify? What can I check off the list? What can so I don't I don't know that it always comes from a place of bad intention, but maybe just lack of awareness. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it probably goes back to what you were saying before about your your kids remembering something you did six months ago. It comes a time that eventually you might teach them something, a lesson. You're you're being a good example. You're letting them catch the lessons. Then you're teaching the lesson after that. So I like to say lessons are caught and then taught. It can't just be caught because they might inter- misinterpret it. So, and then like I'll do something with my daughter, and you think she's not paying attention. You even I'll even talk shit to her. Maybe be like, "What are you doing? You're screwing around. You're not paying attention. You're not focusing." Like we were doing a workout. And teaching her certain things about she's learning about the muscles and she's not into it as much as my son. And you think she's just checked out and zoned out. And then she had some visitors over the house. Our, we had some family. My wife had some family from, from Russia or somewhere over visiting. And, and a, a, her cousin is about her age. She took her cousin into the garage and she's like training her cousin, telling her about the movements, correcting her exercises, correcting her form, like being the motivator. After I'm just saying, you don't know any of this stuff you're not doing. And I'm talking shit to her. It's soaking in there. So that's a dopamine hit to me, seeing the lessons and seeing the growth that they have when they actually implement the shit that you, you tried to, to teach them or way, the, the way you want them to think or operate and then seeing them implement that in the real world or going helping someone out and, and things like that and explaining things that you didn't even realize that they caught on to. That's a dopamine hit to me right there. That's winning a sale right there. Seeing that stuff actually being put back out into the world, that's a force multiplier. That's leadership. That's that's fatherhood. That's being a fucking man, not closing another deal. And again, I have to keep saying, don't get me wrong, close a lot of fucking deals, but have that have that uh, symmetry in the way you're doing it and that so you're fulfilled in both areas. Yeah, it's it's and not or it's one of the ways that I phrase it in, in my head. And to, to that point, like yes, like do, like that is a that is a dopamine hit. And that and that's common. It just may take more reps. Like with kids, it's just probably going to take more reps. I had something similar. Uh, I'm adamant about like nutrition with my kids and feeding them healthy food, providing good options, explaining what's on their plate. And it's not a, you know, it's, it's, it's more about like, Hey, we want to try to get some protein in every meal. Protein makes us feel full, makes us feel strong, makes us feel good. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, so in the mornings, I'm always there in the morning. So I try to make breakfast as, as many mornings as I possibly can. Couple mornings ago, I uh, you, twins were up all night. Just one of those nights with twin newborns, up all night with them in the morning too. So I was not in the kitchen, and I came downstairs, carried one of the babies, and my six-year-old was sitting there, and he had gotten out some. T- he had made two plates of food for him and his brother with the turkey sausage, the strawberries, a little banana and peanut butter. And dude, I just like I lost it. Like talk about a dopamine hit. I I got emotional. I started crying. I was like holy shit they're really watching they're like they're really paying attention because sometimes it just doesn't feel like they are you know i think with kids it just talk about patience man sometimes yeah, it, it just takes those reps what a better closed deal and closed sale can you have than something like that seeing them making some sandwiches that they saw you doing even probably even cutting the bread the same way and putting the the one thing on the same way you did it on like what a that's a closing of a sale right there that's a dopamine hit right there and the the thing is Men, I think especially, we want that, especially nowadays in the world, we want that quick fix, that quick hit. And instead of that delayed gratification, we want we want the to see the benefits of the thing right now. We want that Google search to give us the, the answer in 0.0 seconds. And 
And when we don't get it, then we feel like we're not doing the right thing or it's not fulfilling or I got, I got to do something else or I'm doing something wrong because there is not patience. Patience is a huge word that you just use there too. So awesome stuff seeing that happen with your kids. Yeah. Good things don't come easy. Good things don't come easy. And that's, that's what I've tried to remind myself when I'm having those moments of like, man, I just want the quick validation. I want the, you know, I want the dessert or I want the, you know, whatever it is that I'm trying to not cave into. I have to remind myself that the good things, they don't come easy. And if it's hard, that's probably a good thing. Like raising four kids and having twin newborns, like it's hard as hell. And I'm trying to remind myself it's, you know, this is, this is it. This is the best part of life. It's supposed to be hard and being a man is just supposed to be easy. No, we're supposed to carry the load and deal with hard shit. And, and, and when, and if you're not dealing enough hard shit, create hard shit, make things hard because that's what strengthens you up. That's what gives you resilience and, and the discipline overall and the mental toughness, like it's meant to be hard. So hell yeah. So I want to, I want to, I guess, dig on that a little bit with you and your kids. So you, your kid's childhood from what you told me is looking very different than your childhood. So you had a lot of inherent obstacles, hardships, things you had to overcome, grow through as you, as you, as you grew up your kids, like you said, you want to be the opposite of your dad. So they've got a dad on the opposite end of the spectrum who's really killing it. How are you, how do you go about manufacturing those hardships for them that may not be an inherent in their life? Yeah. And you just, exactly what you just said, I call it manufacturing adversity. And we do that literally on a daily basis. We have coming up in less than two weeks from now, we're doing a 24 hour workout fundraiser uh, charity for Tim Kennedy's Save Our Allies Foundation, things like that. Putting hard shit on the calendar. We, we train together, we work out together every day and we don't miss a day, literally zero days off. My son is 11. He hasn't taken a day off in probably over a year and a half now, not a single day off. And then we're not talking about, we're talking about training just like that alone. That is manufactured adversity, having that discipline, uh, waking up early. They don't really sleep in. On the weekends, we stay up late. We have some fun. We might sleep in a little bit sometimes, but during the week, like they're already up. They're already doing their journaling. And so they're going to have their own version of daily disciplines. And that's really manufactured adversity. You're not going to have an easy life. We give them a damn good life here, but you have to have that edge and that toughness and a little bit of that pushing and pressuring so that you can earn the, the good stuff, earn the fun, like play or, or work and train freaking hard so that you can play just as hard. So we have just as much fun, but we do, we, man, we manufacture that adversity. We do hard stuff all the time. We, we go RVing and when we get up to the campsite, I'm not just leading by example and, and doing everything. Like we all have our roles. Like my son's role is he knows what his is. I deal with the electrical stuff. He takes the, 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 the shit, the, the black tank, I don't know if you know anything of the, the black tank with all the sewage in there. He plugs that in, has to, he puts the rubber gloves on, has to plug that in, empty it out, clean it out. Like that's not a great job to have, but that's his role. I have my other roles. My daughter clears out so the slide out can come out and, and puts the stakes into the ground. So it's stable. Like everyone's got their roles. So it's not like everything's just done for them. They're learning discipline, learning responsibility, learning to do shit that you don't necessarily like to do. We can't always only do what the fun stuff is. And they, we do have a lot of fun, but they also have to learn the discipline, the responsibility and, and, and whatever else. And, and he did learn, I mean, you teach it to them. He did learn how to do the black tank from me. The the first pretty fucked up story, but the first, we just got an RV like six months ago. We knew nothing about it. Literally walked into the place and 
here's a man story for you before we get to the, the, the shit tank story. I walk into the RV place, me and my son. We, we only looked up a few YouTube channels to, to see a little bit of RV to get a good idea of what we wanted. I saw the one I wanted in the place. We were there 10 minutes. And I know what I wanted. We did a little research. I know I wanted to get it. I know we can afford it. It's like a $200,000 RV. I tell the guy, all right, we want that one. And it's literally 10 minutes. Easiest fucking sale was like, this guy stops me and says, are you sure? Do you want to go and think about it? Do you need to go talk to your wife? Like we're so deconditioned that he, I told him, I said, bro, you are the worst salesman ever. I'm supposed to be the one that says I need to go think about it. I need to talk to my wife. You're not supposed to be telling me that. Like I'm giving you the easiest lay down sale of your life. And you're trying to unsell me on it. I mean, I understand you. Sometimes you might want to do the right thing and make sure someone's a good fit. But I know we want it. We want it. We already qualify for it. Like, I want this RV. I don't want to leave with it. How soon can I leave with it? He's trying to unsell me because that's how men are thinking these days. Like when I sell high ticket uh, coaching or the project and every time the men say, oh, well, I need to go talk, tell, talk to my wife. Like if your wife probably doesn't have that much respect for you, if you can't make decisions on that you want to make, even if it's money related, you should be able to make those decisions. And flip side, she should be able to also like there's a respect and a trust level there. If you can't, you need to go reevaluate your relationships. That's the first thing that's just made me think of it. But so we get this RV after I buy it from this guy who tries to unsell me it because he doesn't have a set of balls. But I buy this RV. And the first day we're out with it, we're going to drive on our way to Texas from from California. We're in, I think, Arizona, our first stop for the night. We don't really know shit about operating these things. We're learning as we are going. And the, the, the black tank is where all your sewage is, like from your toilet bowl and everything. And there's a, a, a safety lever thing that you don't pull till after you connect the plug. And I did it the wrong way. And I'm down there squatting down. The stuff was not supposed to come out. And literally 27 gallons of shit and piss poured out all over me like it's in a movie. Freaking ridiculous. All over me. I'm talking shit and piss water. 27 gallons all oh. over me. And so that's how I taught them how to do it the right way. They learned from me fucking up. And now that's my son's job. And my daughter was in the RV when it happened. My wife and son were watching it. She comes back out. She hears me fucking really just laughing over it. Cause what could you do at that point? Right. And she's like, could you do it again? I missed it, daddy. Could you do it again? I'm like, fuck no, I can't do it again. <laughs> but, and, and, and it's also, that's also a, was a lesson to them in just emotional discipline. Like control. I could have just freaked out, said, fuck this thing. We're going home. I'm covered in shit. I said, well, I guess we're much closer as a family. Now we literally share the same DNA on a whole new level right now. We cleaned it up. We figured out how to do it. There was a, a broken piece. We ordered on Amazon, had it sent to an Amazon locker in Arizona. I put the plug on there. We learned how to do it the right way. And now that's my son's responsibility and job. We get to the campsite. It's not just hanging out and go play basketball. It's like, all right, we're going to take care of the work first, and then we're going to go and play. So it's manufacturing adversity and and teaching it, but then and then supervising it and helping out along the way. But giving them hard shit to do. We do hard shit all the time. We do these 24-hour fitness challenges every couple of months for charity, for fundraiser. And it sucks and it's suffering, but it's usually outdoors. So what better way to connect with your family than to do extremely hard shit, to be suffering, to be doing fitness, to be inviting friends over, to be doing it for charity, for a fundraiser, you're donating the money to help out a foundation. Like that's manufacturing diversity, but also with so many benefits and so many force multiplying benefits to it so we are constantly manufacturing diversity so that they don't have the easy life because then it, it, they'll just grow up we have guys that come into the to the project a lot that have a lot of trauma that they they're they getting over and rebuilding themselves but there's always a, a small percentage of men that come in 
to the project. It's a personal development program for men. And their biggest thing that happened to them in their life is that they never had any bad thing happen to them in their life. They never had any adversity. They don't know what it's like to deal with hardship and to overcome it. So now they're adults and the universe throws all kinds of slimy, backstabby, weird shit at them. They don't know how to handle it. They crumble under pressure and they go deep and dark into depression or these vices or do bad shit they shouldn't be doing because they don't know how to deal with the chaos of, of life. So you don't, if I just, that's how I think of it. If you just give your kids everything they need because you learned your lessons and now you're successful and you make some money and you're giving them everything they need, even though you're teaching them the right stuff, they need to know how to deal with hard shit by practicing it, by getting the sets and reps in and you make it fun and you make it benefit. Like we do it for a, a foundation and, and we have a freaking blast of it. Uh, so the, the, the one you've got coming up, the fundraiser you've got come up, is that something that other people can get involved in? Yeah, we have like friends and family coming over here at our house. We're doing it literally at our house. We have a bunch of people coming over and we're, we're catering it and all that stuff because you need fuel and, and drinks and stuff. Mm-hmm. We have ice baths set up. So just friends and family are coming here to do it. But yeah, there's uh, donations that are going on. People are There's some people that can't make it here live. We're going to be live on Zoom for the entire 24 hours. There's people that are going to be doing it from their own location with their own small groups uh, themselves all around the country. So yeah, it could be done. Anyone could do it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, we'll definitely link that up and I, I want to get that out and share it with everybody. Awesome. Uh, I want to come back to the, the point you were making and just kind of the whole idea, I guess, of, you know, having your kids involved in, in these types of activities. Like you mentioned your son, he works out every day. He doesn't miss a day and everybody has their roles and everybody knows what to do. And it, it sounds very cohesive and everybody's bought in. So I want to come from the angle of the dad who's sitting there saying, I can't even get my kid to pick his room up. He sure as hell not going to work out every day. And if I start trying to do these big things, it's just like, it's just not going to happen. So what, what do you think it is that's led to the success that you're seeing with your kids? Like what, what is the difference maker? How do you get from, I'm just getting started and leading my family better to if you're the model, how do you get to there? First is realizing that perfection doesn't exist. Like I said about my calendar, it looks perfect, but if I get 80% of that, that is a win. And it's the same thing with kids, like make no mistake. We still have our days where it's like, it's just chaos and a a circus is never perfect where they don't want to do certain things. It's not perfect. Make that totally clear is get over the idea of perfection. (laughs) Just because we're talking about the ideal doesn't mean that's a hundred percent of the time. Hell no. My daughter is a a maniac and she just sometimes does whatever the fuck she wants to do and doesn't give a shit. And that's a trait (laughs) she got for me, not giving a shit. She just takes it to the extreme. So we just have to reel her in sometimes. But it's a, it's a powerful character trait she has, and it's never going to be perfect. But it, it does, like anything else we, we, we talk about all the time, leadership is always the problem. Leadership is always the solution. Leadership in the family is a lot of times going to be the parents, a lot of times going to be the father. And you have to, in the, in the Marine Corps, we say you have to earn the right to be a Marine every day. Same thing with being a husband, same thing with being a father. You have to earn that right every day. I think a lot of men think that, just because they're the father, they're the title, they're the leaders of the of the family that they just could just say what needs to get done all the time instead of just getting doing it themselves on a regular basis, showing the way. Again, lessons are caught and then taught. Even if you're doing it the right way all the time, you think that they're soaking it in, and they're probably soaking some of it, but they may not be soaking it all in. They might misinterpret some of the lessons you have. Then you need to have those deep, meaningful conversations. And actually then teach what you were hoping they caught. So it's like, oh, now we blend it together. They saw it happen. Now you're reinforcing that, letting them know about 
what you did, why you did it, how you did it. So letting them catch the lessons, but then also teaching them. But the lessons are caught and then taught. Uh, not one or the other, not neither, obviously. And it starts, again, back to you. Like, if you don't have your own shit together, your own house in order, people think being a leader means you have followers and you're leading people. That is just the second level. Before that, you need to first fucking lead yourself. And from the majority of the, the population nowadays are not even leading themselves. So how could they possibly lead other people? How they, could they possibly make awesome little humans when they're not having their own shit together? Their own house is not in order. So it starts from there. And then you could earn the right again each day to be a husband, to be a father by first having your own shit together, your own those daily disciplines that you're doing consistently on a regular basis, proving yourself. Or it might be a, a man who maybe hasn't been doing the right stuff and kind of whatever, call him a loser for a few years. And then says, you know what? I'm going to get my shit together. They start going to courses, they get a coach, they get in shape. And now they're this reborn man. And for the last year, like, hell yeah, that's fucking awesome. That's what they should be doing. But their wife or their kids, they've seen 5, 10, 15, 20 years of a loser. And now they're seeing just one year of this rebuilt, reborn man. They don't believe it yet. It's got to be proven. It's got to be consistent over time. They're going to give those shit tests. They're going to give those that, that like litmus test to see, okay, is this real? Is this really you? You're going to need to keep proving it to me. And they're going to test it. They're going to test you on that. So it, it, it always goes back to you re-earning the right of being that father every day by doing the right thing, by not exploding all the time and, and yelling and all this other stuff. Do I yell at my kids? Hell yeah, I do. Anyone says they don't is full of shit. Of course I do. It's not like everything is this calm conversation because we're, we're like, no, sometimes they need to be yelled at. Sometimes they need to see a little emotion and a little anger that it's okay to be like that as long as you control it and explain it and, and talk about it. Yeah, I, I love the the illustration of it's it's earned it's earned every day. Like it's, it, it, you have to earn it. You have to show them every day and then teach them. That's, that's strong. Cause that, that clock, like you said, I mean, it's, it just starts over every 24 hours. It, it never stops. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit more about the coaching that you do and, and the project. We talked about that a little bit. Can you kind of give us, I guess, the nuts and bolts of, of what you do with your coaching and the project, maybe break those down for us. There are all, all of, them are the different variations of coaching. We do the, the project was this in-person four-day personal development program for men here in California. We do a father-son program called the Squire. That's also in-person here in California. We do that in also different areas of the country. And whether it's those or also LTD, which is leadership and team development, is going and coaching companies and their teams. That goes on around the country also. And then I do just one-on-one -on -one higher level coaching with individuals, entrepreneurs, leaders, managers, on, uh, and that's all online. But all of them really are just being that, that, those outside eyes. And it's mostly for men. It's some of those, the companies are men and women, but in general, it's a, it's a lot of it's for men, helping them to become the type of man their son will want to become and the type of man their daughter will want to marry and the type of man their, their wife is going to respect and feel safe around. Like, that's really what it all comes down to. All of those are just different variations of that. Really helping them get their shit together, helping them operate with discipline and energy and confidence and being an action taker and being their freak self and really creating that ideal freak freedom lifestyle, reverse engineering it. All right, this is what we need to do on a daily basis to, to get to that lifestyle or to optimize that lifestyle, to make that lifestyle even better, even once you're there. 
to keep it going, to, be, to maintain the momentum in there. So it's it's really all about that ideal lifestyle, living that freak freedom lifestyle with discipline, energy, confidence, and just being your freak self, living life on your own terms. And people need, I think, mo- people that ask me sometimes, and as a joke, and it's not really a joke, they're like, well, what do you do? Tell me about what do you do for a living? I say, well, I yell at people for a living, or I talk shit to people for a living. And that's what I do. People need an asshole like me in their life. Someone that's going to tell them the stuff that they need to hear, not just what they want to hear. And I get a lot of, I get like death threats online almost every day. So many people talk shit and all the haters and all this other stuff. But let me tell you, some, some people will hate, but really deep down, most can relate. And most need that type of straightforwardness. And everyone needs that type of asshole in their life that's going to tell them what's what and not just be a yes man and not beat around the bush and not being afraid to hurt their feelings, but tell them what they need to know because everything has an intention. Everything has a purpose to get even better every single day. That to me is the, other than the meaning of life being to have kids, I think the goal in life is not that house, is not that car, is not that money. The goal in life really is just to get better every fucking day. I ask myself that every day. In the morning, I ask myself, what can I do to make today fucking awesome? And in, in, in the nighttime when I'm doing my journaling, I'll say, did I get better and grow today? That's it. And then I write about it. What did I do to get better and grow? Did I feel like I didn't? Was I stagnant? I rate myself in a few different areas and give myself a scorecard in a few different areas. And that's kind of stuff that I work clients through with their calendar and their schedule. And do they have a date night on their calendar, regular, consistent, recurring every single week, the same day and the time? Do they have family time in their calendar? They know what they're doing with their family. Like we have family time every night and each night is a different thing. Some nights it's a walk. Some nights it's out days. It's outdoor time. Uh, Sometimes it's video game time. Sometimes it's board games, different actual activities in addition to the other stuff we're doing together. But that's just to make sure we're checking those boxes. And at a bare minimum, we know that's covered. So helping people create that ideal freak freedom lifestyle is really what what it comes down to. Okay. So I want to take, I said, I was going to come back to something that you mentioned at the beginning, talking about uh, how the, the challenges for a woman to raise a boy into a man. And I think coaching, whether it's with you or anybody else, having good mentors, I think could be a solution for this. But I want I, I said I was going to come back to it. So I want to turn that around back to you. And for maybe there's a mom listening to this and they've got a son and they say, you know, they, they want to raise their son into a man. What's the advice that you would give to that mom to help steward her son along into into manhood as best as possible. And you kind of already said it, but every man, every man, boy needs a positive male role model. They just do. They need it to, to become that. So whoever that is, get him in those situations where they could have that. And a start could be something even like in a jujitsu class or something, maybe the instructor at jujitsu or, or something, whatever it is, but they, they need a positive male role model. They need, there are groups out there now, even for young, young men that can join with other young men. And then there's mentors that come in there. I went to go speak on a, a kid's group that, and I went to be one of the speakers. I have mentors coming every week to speak to these young men and, and pour into them. So every Boy needs a male role model. And this might be a controversial topic or not, but they need what what the advice is to a, a single mother. And I know it's, I'm sure it's hard and they're doing what they need to be doing, but don't think you could fill the role of a mother and a father. Like that's what women do, I think. And they try to do, but I don't think that's 100% possible. I know they do the best they can, but you, it's, it's impossible to, to fill that role of mother and father. And there might be, 
my, again, it might be a controversial topic, but when it comes down to it, they need a positive male role model. I think that I think a fatherless homes and broken families is the number one issue in this country. That is it. That is literally the, the that is the pandemic of this country is fatherless homes, boys that don't have positive male role models. Look at suicide rates. Look at prison, the prison population. It's men and majority of them like are 80%, whatever, are fatherless homes. Like this, if you look up, I don't know all the statistics off the top of my head, but there's so many such ridiculous statistics about kids that have fatherless homes or don't have a positive male role model and where they where they end up and how their their life trajectory starts going. It's it's fucking wild. So I think women need would need to have that realization. I know they want to be, you know, the tough mom and the provider, and they are, and what a fucking hard job to do it by yourself, but to come to that realization that you can't fill the role of a mother and a father. It's just, it, to me, it's impossible. It's two full-time jobs. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the, the statistics around fatherless homes is those are, there's some pretty disgusting statistics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't, they don't lie. And to your point, they all, they all point in the same direction. Uh, so, so Steve, as, as we, as we, turn towards wrapping up here got a couple questions i want to ask you that i ask about everybody that comes on the show so first question um only caveat to this question is that the answer cannot be your family so with the exception of your family what are you the most proud of in your life so far it's probably going to be the discipline to live according to my freak freedom meaning to not give a fuck what other people that don't matter think about me. To me, that's a superpower. Now, the caveat to that is you absolutely should give a fuck what the people that do matter think about you, the people that you respect and know and your family and, and peers. You should give a shit what they think about you. But the, the superpower of having that discipline to not give a fuck, to live life on your own terms, to live according to that lifestyle that I'm talking about, like that is what I'm most proud of to be able to craft that and live by it and have the discipline to stick to it no matter what. And that guides all my decisions, that lifestyle I want to live literally every decision that comes my way, no matter how much money is involved or whatever's involved, is it in alignment with that freak freedom lifestyle that I want to live? And if it's not, it's, it's an easy, no, it's a, a quick pass. So I say that that discipline of, of freak freedom and just being myself is, is the, I'd say the number one thing that I was proud of. I love the way that your your value system, the freak freedom, it, it's literally a filter. It's a filter for everything that comes comes or does not come into your life. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's only let through by by uh by the value system that you've created. I, I love that. All right. So last question has to do with the word legacy. So legacy is a word that gets taken in a whole bunch of different directions, right? So there's a million different connotations to it. Some people attach you know, generational wealth is a term we hear a lot. There's a lot of different ways you could take it. But if I just, you said open mic, Steve, what do you want your legacy to be with your children? How would you answer that question? Probably going to be a little different way of, of coming at it. And we've already even talked to, kind of touched on it before. The legacy is not what I'm going to do, what I've done, the house I'm leaving them, business and all this other bullshit that doesn't even matter. The legacy is today, literally today. What am I going to do with them today? That is that legacy. That is it. I don't give a fuck about anything else. Like that is it. I could go and get hit by a truck today. My legacy is today, this moment, the present moment, right now, 
What am I going to do today? How am I going to show up today? That's it. That's a legacy right there. Because think about it. We talk about what the legacy wants to be. And it's usually something out there in the future. Like we've already talked about that. I could be dead before then. That could never happen. Now my legacy, so I didn't have a legacy or whatever the word is. Like my legacy is going to be today. So if I get hit by a fucking truck today, that's what they remember. That's why I don't take days off from training. That's why I take time with my kids over making money sometimes. That is the legacy right there. That could be the last day on this fucking planet. That's how I want to go out. I'm going to go out being that man that I want to be. And I'm far from fucking perfect. I am all kinds of fucked up, but that my legacy is today, this moment. And then the, I guess the follow-up to that is really the same thing that you said, what are you most proud of? And on a future thing, like how would I want to see them living out their life as following on the legacy that they got from this moment, what they learned, got from me today is to live life on their own terms, the same stuff, live that same freak freedom life. They saw me live today. They see me sitting here at home doing a podcast and we're going to go do a book club and sit out in the backyard in the sun and do a book club. And then we're going to work out together. And they see me having a me and my wife. They see us eating dinner together. All that's happening today. That is my legacy right there. This fucking moment is it. Nothing else. And that's what I just, if they see that and they're living that, that's going to be their legacy and living life on their own terms, not giving a shit what other people think about them when they're doing, when they know they're doing the right thing, living according to our, our freak code that we have. We have our, uh, like a family core values, freak code, living according to that. But I can't think about, oh, I want to show them that free code down the line and build this legacy. I don't have to, might not have time. And as fucked up as it isn't, I tell my kids it all the time. I could be dead tomorrow. So then I guess an additional follow to that is the legacy of can they make it without me? Be setting them up for success to make it without me at any moment, like not 10 years from now. My son is only 11. He has to be ready now to be able to make it without me. As fucked up as it sounds, and my daughter sometimes says, she's like, no, I don't want to talk about you, you dying or whatever. We have, you have to have those conversations. It could happen at any moment and be prepared for it. If I die today, can they make it without me? And how can I answer? Can I answer that question that I'm satisfied and content with how they would follow the rest of their lives if I ended today? There's a legacy. Fucking today, right now, this moment is a legacy. Hell yeah. That's one of the best answers I've ever gotten to that question. I've done a bunch of these. That's good stuff right there, Steve. I appreciate you coming on here today, man. Like I said, this is this is an honor. This is a blessing to get to have you on. I know you're a busy day, and, and I'm uh, I'm honored to, to make it into the calendar that I know you have very diligently planned out. So tell us, where's the best place for people to find you, follow you? Where do you want to send our attention? I don't even care about all that stuff. I'm here for your, hopefully, if your audience gets take some of this stuff we're talking about and starts implementing their life, I will find them out in the universe, finding, running in to other awesome fucking men because they're doing the due diligence and they're showing up as men in the world and we will run into each other, we'll find each other and we'll feel the energy of the world fucking leveling up the way it should be with some positive men and positive male role models and some fucking savage servants out there. So that's how they can find me by doing, implementing this shit we're talking about and, and not being little bitches anymore and, and, and stepping the hell up. We'll find each other with the energy and the the leveling up of the of the freaking world that's how we'll find each other all right everybody you you heard the man go get after it thank you steve we'll stay in touch awesome good stuff all right everybody that's it thanks for listening and if you haven't already do me a huge favor and subscribe to the show or leave us a rating and review we can't thank you enough for your support until next time remember to love and lead from the front see you